0: This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival.
1: I'm Peter Holden and welcome to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. This program is available as a podcast by going to Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. So coming up on today's program, our feature guest will be Danielle Marshall. She was born in Colorado in the United States States, played a footy for the first time last year with the Arizona Hawks and has now found herself in Melbourne playing with Aberfeldy in the Eston District Football League, trying to work her way towards the AFLW. That interview coming up shortly. We're going to check out what's happening on the international scene with Shannon Power from the AFL London Women's League. We'll be catching up with Michael Curran from the AFL Ireland Women's Competition and as well Brian Barish, the media manager at the United States Australian Football League. What's happening in the local scene. Well, we have got on the line Ant Wingard from AFL Queensland to find out what's happening in the QAFLW competition. Lauren Hodgson will give us the lowdown on the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. And at the end, our lead caller here at RSN Carnival, Matthew Cox, will review round one of the VFL Women's Competition. That's all coming up on today's episode. And joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel, Carnival. It's a woman who's flown all the way down from America to try and make the AFLW. She's not the only one. There's several out here at the moment. But she's the first to come across from the Arizona Hawks. She's currently playing with Aberfeldy in the Essendon District Football League. And it's great to have on the line Danielle Marshall. Danny, how are you?
2: Doing well. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me on the show. Great
1: to have you here in Melbourne, but first of all, like we ask everyone who didn't grow up playing Aussie rules football, how did you first discover the game?
2: Yes, I first discovered the game when ESPN and the AFL signed a contract for two years back in 2009. Um, I was just clicking around on the ESPN website, saw this game, and I was like, what is that? And just fell in love with it. I was like, oh man, this is just the perfect mesh of everything that I've ever wanted to do in a sport. So... Uh, watched it through college and through when ESPN had it. And when it got dropped, it's a little harder to find. And, yeah, that's how it all started.
1: Did you just love the game overall? Was there a team that you were instantly drawn to following?
2: Uh, Yeah, so I actually still don't have a team. I'm kind of the same even with the NFL. I just love a good game. I just love sports for the sake of sports. So as long as it was a close, tight game, I I didn't really care. So I guess if a team signs me, they can consider me a fan for life at that point.
1: (laughs) What part of the United States did you grow up in?
2: Uh, I grew up in Colorado, actually. Um, So I grew up in Colorado. The the Lady Bulldogs were there, but since I was playing uh, college soccer, I couldn't play a, a another sport or I'd lose my scholarship like if I got hurt Um, and then moved to Arizona after college so
1: yeah. Like we said you you end up signing with the Arizona Hawks but because you were in Colorado did you actually know of or socialize with any of the Denver Lady Bulldogs beforehand?
2: Uh, No unfortunately I wasn't able to just college and everything kept me really busy and then I usually had internships uh, out of the state for the summer so I was in uh, I went to Bangladesh one summer, and then I went to California the next summer, and this was never in town during season.
1: Now, before we get to you playing college sport, as you were growing up through elementary school and high school, uh, what were the range of sports that you were playing?
2: Uh, a little bit of everything. Played some volleyball, played some basketball, soccer, ran track, um, ran cross country in high school, um, was going to play high school like American football, gridiron, but um, my mom was kind of like, no, you should uh, not get hurt. <laughs> um, so I didn't end up playing that one, but uh, anything and everything I could get my hands on, really.
1: You were drawn to playing soccer, and you did well at it. You got a uh, scholarship to play at the uh, Colorado School of Mines. Can you tell us a little bit about your soccer career, your rise to the ranks and what position you are playing?
2: Yeah, definitely. So... Um, Definitely knew I wanted to play in college, just obviously that competitiveness. You want to play at the highest level you can. Um, And mine was just a quickly developing team at that point and was kind of close to home, so it seemed like a perfect fit. Um, I actually jumped right in as a freshman, started all the games that season except for one where I was sick, and um, yeah, played in the holding midfield. So kind of similar to a halfback, uh, center halfback, and just kind of held it up in there.
1: Can you give us an insight, as much as you don't get played playing college sports, that your, your paying away is, of course, your education. Uh, what mm-hmm. some sort of the things that they provide you with on and off the field as support around your sport as you essentially play as a professional without obviously being paid?
2: Right. Yeah, so luckily um, they did provide a significant amount of money towards my education, which was amazing, um, amazing engineering school as well. So very thankful for that. Um, kind of the stuff that goes with it. I mean, obviously we had our, our trainer, so we got to have, or I guess you'd call them physios. Uh, so we had them, um, to support us before practice wrapping ankles, massages, making sure we were fit to play doing all the protocol. Um, one of my favorite parts was that you got to, you know, put your practice stuff in a wash bag and you could send it in the laundry and then they'd send it back. But if you were smart, you'd stuff some extra stuff in there too so you didn't have to do laundry. (laughs) So you kind of had them do your laundry for you, which was nice. Um, Yeah, and just the coaches were really good. If there were personal things going on, just being really supportive about that um, and just extra training um, if you wanted it, one-on-one, video sessions, everything like that. So, yeah, it was really good.
1: Can you give us an insight into how often you were training per week?
2: We usually train six of the seven days of the week. So we had Mondays off, Tuesdays were a light session, Wednesdays were a heavy, heavy session furthest away from any of the games. Uh, Thursdays was usually uh, film, prep, scouting for the teams that were going to play. And then Fridays we had a game, Saturdays was recovery, and Sundays we had a game. So two games per weekend, Friday and uh, Sunday.
1: And how about the road schedule? How far flung were you playing across America uh, in your college sport?
2: Yeah, so um, during the regular season, usually we'd have one preseason game that was a couple states away just to get us out of our region. So we were, you know, having games against against other people, so the rankings were easier to do. And then within the season, we could travel usually, I think the furthest one away uh, was about a 12-hour drive uh, down in New Mexico. So we'd usually try to do, like, a Friday game that was on the way And then hit that game on Sunday, Um, you know, drive Saturday, get to that game on Sunday and then drive back Sunday night. So um, up to 12 hours.
1: So you come to the end of your college years, you come away with an education from that. What's your first thought going through your mind? Is it to try and instantly jump into a, a career through engineering or is it to try and make it in the NWSL?
2: Yeah, so at the time that I graduated college, there were a few um, teams around. There was one in Denver and one in Colorado Springs. And I did end up actually trying out for the the Rapids and got an invite back. But I actually opted to go overseas that summer on kind of a missions trip to do water um, and cultural exchange program in Bangladesh. So I did that instead of pursuing uh, my soccer career right out of college.
1: How did you end up finding yourself in Arizona? Uh,
2: So I worked for a year in Colorado and then I got married about a year after college and he was getting his master's degree in materials engineering and was sponsored by Honeywell. And so the Honeywell plant that sponsored him was in Arizona so it was an easy transition um, after he graduated. We just uh, took the job in Arizona and poof, there we were.
1: Now, I believe before you uh, took up playing Aussie rules, you were playing a year of rugby.
2: Yeah. So um, basically what happened is the 2018, I was like, I've always wanted to play a contact sport. I'm going to play a contact sport. So I just basically started Googling and like tried to look up, okay, rugby or Aussie rules. Those are basically the two sports you can play as a woman that are full contact and so I looked it up, and it was winter time in America, which is footy's off-season. But rugby was just starting, so I was like, okay, let's do that. So I played rugby for the Tempe women's rugby team, and we made it all the way to um, nationals, basically. And I won rookie of the year there. Um, and then as soon as footy season started, jumped into footy and won uh, best and fairs for my team that season. So, um,
1: yeah. How did the conversation come about? for you to end up at the Arizona Hawks?
2: Yeah, so basically I was on Facebook and I was looking for the Aussie Rules team because one of my friends from college actually plays on the Houston team. And so she's like, I think there's a team in Arizona you should play. And so I was just looking it up on Facebook. And at that point, um, there was only one women's team in Arizona. And so that was kind of my only option. But uh, thankfully the a woman that kind of runs that in Arizona has a lot of experience, Has been playing Aussie rules a long time and was able to help me dive right in.
1: And you did, and you end up finding yourself playing in places as far as flung as Los Angeles and New York.
2: Yeah. So opposite coasts for sure, but super fun. So basically because it's not as well known in America, the teams are all very spread out. So LA is actually the closest team to us and it's a six hour drive. Um, so that's, the closest we get to play to home, and then the rest of it is everywhere. So, the New York game was pretty funny because we had planned a holiday in New York, um, and we happened to have a long layover. The weekend there was a footy tournament there, and so um, we just took an Uber from the airport, went to play footy, took an Uber back, and flew to our next destination. So, um, but otherwise, you know, you just don't get enough games in if you're not willing to travel that far. So.
1: Now, as we know that for teams that don't have the full 18 aside in the USAFL, they combine together with other clubs for the USAFL Nationals and end up playing in Women's Division 2. Uh, you headed up to Racine, Wisconsin. Your combination with Calgary, uh, North Star Blue Ox, the Nashville Kangaroos, and, of course, your Arizona Hawks, end up finishing a third on percentage in that title. How did you find your first USAFL Nationals experience?
2: Oh, it's... So much fun just getting to see all of the women uh that also love footy and also are passionate about the sport all coming together um, and just kind of being combined is really cool because you get to meet all these different women from all these different places and here you know like you're hearing my story about how i found footy we get to hear their stories about how they found footy and 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 how excited um, we all are to help grow the sport so um, it's a great experience
1: you had two wins in that tournament over the DC Eagles 25 to 0 and over Texas in a thriller 22 19, which helped you beat them into fourth position. At the end of the Nationals, they give out the awards. Uh, playing in your division was Southern Saints footballer Valerie Moreau playing for Montreal. She won the mm-hmm. most consistent award in the Grand Vile MVP. However, the Division 2 Paul Ruse medal, that's the best and fairest, went to yourself.
2: Yeah, I was uh pretty shocked cuz obviously since the umpires give that I didn't really know them, they didn't really know me. It was kind of just you know, I I played the best I could and when they gave it out I was like, "Oh, okay, I guess <laughs> you know, what I did must have must have stood out somehow." So I was I was really honored to to get that. Yeah.
1: So how did the journey end up for being, here you are, playing for the Arizona Hawks in a combination team with Calgary in Racine, Wisconsin, to, what, seven, eight months later to finding yourself in the state of Victoria in Southeastern Australia playing with Aberfeldy in the Eastern District Football League?
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So since L.A. is obviously the closest, we had a couple games there, and it just so happened that one weekend... We combined with the Denver team to play against LA. One of their coaches happened to have a friend who was visiting LA and he happened to watch and he happens to know some footy contacts who asked him if there were any girls from America that he would say, you know, they should take a look at. And uh, this whole random conversations happened. And eventually uh, he got hold of me and said, what do you think about coming over to Australia? And I said, Sure, I guess I better start training a little harder than I have been. So, started hitting the gym and running, and and uh, practicing kicking with some some Aussies. And here we are, eight months later.
1: And when did you first uh, touch down in Melbourne? And how long's your stay expected to be?
2: Yeah, so I landed on uh, May first, and I'm leaving June third. So it's about four and a half, five weeks. Um, to get things rolling, yeah.
1: And you've gone straight into Aberfeldy's first team. Now, they've got two teams, the ones and the twos. You've gone straight into the first. Um, how's it been trying to, in such a short space of time, obviously getting to meet your new teammates, understand them, understand their style of play, and then, of course, playing alongside them?
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely a whirlwind. I landed Wednesday morning and we had practice Wednesday night, so I said, okay, I guess well, here we go. Um, but honestly, Aberfeldy has been so welcoming. All the girls have just been so nice. They've, you know, they've invited me out um, on on things not footy-related, hanging out, things like that. So that's been just a real a real blessing to have people just open open the doors to their club like that for you, um, and just you know rally around you to get you get you in the game. And the girls have all been really good about you know if I'm not doing something you know, the same way because it's so different. They're like, oh, you should be doing this or look, you know, look here. And they've all been super helpful. So, yeah, really, really grateful to have them there. And um, they're all great players. So uh, good to play with. Yeah.
1: You made your debut on a Friday night. Then a week later, you played against Craggyburn about Faldi. Just comfortable winners, one hundred and fifty-four to zero over Craggyburn. I noticed that you were named amongst the best, and you kicked two goals. Can you remember your first ever goal kicked on Australian soil?
2: Yeah, I can. Hopefully, you'd remember, right? Your first ever one. Um, yeah, it was just kind of honestly bouncing around up in the up in the forward fifty, kind of on the on the left left forward pocket and actually the girl that came with me kind of had it gave me a little handball I did a wheel around and you know just evade some defenders and had a shot at goal and it went in and I was like oh there it is There's <laughs> the first goal so it was kind of cool that we both the American girls kind of got to have a part in my first one
1: Have you experienced the Gatorade shower yet? Because it's part of an Australian tradition that everyone gets around the circle, sings the song. And if you're the newbie, you get thrown in the middle.
2: I did, yes. My first game on Friday night, um, they were like, oh, get in the middle, get in the middle, get in the middle. And I did not know what I was getting into. So we were jumping around, singing the song. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the song, everyone, like, pulls the caps off of all their water bottles and just... uh, showers me. So, yeah, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't expecting that. I was a little bit more wet than I had uh, anticipated, but it was, it was good. It was fun.
1: Can you explain the type of role you were playing as a footballer back with the Arizona Hawks compared to what role they've got you playing now at Aberfeldy?
2: Yeah. So in America, I'm pretty tall. So I mostly ruck um, and kind of guide the midfield around. Um, and then here... Um, I have been placed more as, as in the half line, so either a half back or a half forward is kind of where I've found myself so far.
1: What's some of the um, easiest skills from soccer and a little bit from rugby that you're finding that you're able to convert easily to Aussie rules? And what's probably some of the elements of the game that you're still probably finding a little bit harder to pick up?
2: Yeah, so um, the kicking far, that part I have, that's, you know, from soccer, just a lot of, I can, I can kick far, um, but, you know, the finesse of, of the different shape ball and everything is obviously a little harder to get used to. Um, and then uh, tackling uh, from rugby, just uh, obviously I'm not I'm not afraid to tackle, but making sure you're getting the arms and making sure that that's your priority is to make sure they can't get the ball out is a slightly different from rugby because obviously you don't actually have to take them to the ground the same way. Um, so I think those are the two ones that – it's still transfer over fairly easily and then um, I've always been very good at catching so the markings okay but it's it's definitely the what to do after you you get the ball is is a little bit different there's a lot more pressure there's a lot more things going on that you have to think about Um, and so that kind of stuff is still you know the learning process there.
1: And you're not the only American at Aberfeldy. You actually had land uh, just last week, Sarah Edwards-Rona from the Denver Lady Bulldogs.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah, um, she's awesome. And she actually is the one, the reason that the coach was in LA and his friend was there. And she's the one that kind of got everything going. So, yeah, she's she's been doing great here as well.
1: Now, for the month that you're out here, I've seen you've already done the tour of the MCG. Um, through um, your links to, to the Aberfanaldi Football Club, what's some of the things that they've been able to introduce you in the AFL world? Have they taken you on a tour of any of the clubs yet?
2: Um, maybe not like full tours of any of the clubs. We've been um, with the Bulldogs a little bit, so we got to do it. um a tour of everything at the Witten Oval. Got to see the the locker rooms and everything like that there, where everything started. And then my host has uh, taken me to see. I've seen the Carlton Training Grounds, North Melbourne Training Grounds, Essendon Training Grounds, um, and then we've been to Marvel Stadium and the MCG to watch games. So those are the those are the big ones so far.
1: Now, the three remaining games you've got before you've got to jump on a plane and head back home, you've got uh, this Saturday, May 18th, 1.40pm at home at Clifton Park, uh, Aberfaldi versus uh, the Pascoe Vale Panthers. In round seven, you've got a Saturday night game, May 25th, 4.50pm at Keylor Reserve against Keylor. And then you finish in round eight on a Friday night. You start on a Friday night, you end on a Friday night against the uh, Sunbury Kangaroos, 7.30pm Friday, May 31st at Eric Boardman uh, Um, does it seem a little all too quick once I put it into your brain that there's just three days left and then uh, apparently three games left and then you're heading back to Arizona?
2: Yeah, it does seem it does seem really quick. We knew we would have to pack a lot into our time here, so getting a lot of trainings in with some different clubs and during the week and then playing with Aberfeldy on the weekends. But yeah, I mean, three games left is just you know it's not enough. So hopefully, yeah, if if we get uh, lucky or or play well, I guess. I'll get lucky. <laughs> if we show well, uh, then maybe we'll get to come back and play some more.
1: Absolutely. We do hope that you can come back to Melbourne. In the meantime, while you're back in the U.S., you've still got uh, the Western Regionals to look forward to and slightly warmer climate for the Nationals uh, this year in Sarasota, Florida.
2: Mhm. Yep, yep. We're very excited for that. We have a couple games scheduled, actually, about... Four days after I land, we'll be in Denver playing the Denver Bulldogs. And then we have um, a little bit of a break before our regionals. And then we have a few games in LA before nationals. So um, we're really excited. I'm really excited. We have a couple of great rookies this year. So I'm excited to get to see them play in their first games. Um, kind of been really excited for that. So we can't wait to see how the the U.S. women's program grows this year.
1: And finally before we let you go just a little bit away from footy has there been anything so far in your short stay in Australia that's baffled you about Australian culture going why do you guys do that
0: Nothing big
2: but I just think it's really funny that chicken chicken parm is everywhere It's just <laughs> every pub if you're you're not a real Australian pub if you don't have chicken parm and I think the only place I've ever seen it is in Italian restaurants in the US like people would just not understand why that's such a big thing but it's great i've had it several times and it's delicious but not something that's a, a everyday staple in america
1: all i can say is just get ready to be baffled uh, this saturday it's election day in australia when a hashtag democracy sausage starts trending and people will think it's a perfectly normal thing which it is to us australians <laughs> Danny, thank I've never heard that one before,
2: so maybe I'll have to figure it out.
1: <laughs> Danny, thank you very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel, Carnival. And we look forward to seeing how you go in the remaining three games and look forward to catching you at the Nationals this year in Sarasota, Florida, when you put on that Arizona Hawks jumper. All right. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. And joining us on the line here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel, Carnival, the media manager of the US AFL and now part-time goal umpire. It's great to have on the line Brian Barish. Brian, how are you?
3: Thank you so much, Peter. Uh, you, you, now now you've got me on the hook for the goal umpire part, so uh, I guess I'm going to need to make more appearances. <laughs>
1: Yes, there has been photographic evidence. Just look online to the Philadelphia Hawks uh, Facebook page and you'll note (laughs) one Brian Barish in the background doing his best goal umpire impersonation. And you were there to see a little bit of history when the Philadelphia Hawks on the weekend uh, knocked off New York. Yes, sir, and that is the, uh, the first ever. It was actually a little bit of history
3: because, in a number of ways. It was the first ever full game by the Philadelphia Hawks women's team. Usually, uh, I think up until last year, the most that uh, the Hawks had ever had was four or five women. They had nine turnout in addition to two players, Alex Pike and uh, Diane Welsh, come down from Boston to take on a New York Magpie side that brought down 13 players most of them were relatively new, but they did have a couple of veterans, including uh, Sam Wolf, longtime player going back to about the 2013 season, playing in the fullback position. Grace Coplo, who took over as the uh, captain on this occasion, and also um, uh, they had a number of other players who had come down, uh, including Kylie Johnson, who is the sister of Ryan Johnson, uh, who plays for Seattle. Kylie being named to the uh, to the training squad for the USA Freedom. Uh, they also had Emma Cating who is in her third full season as well. So this was a pretty stout test for this Philadelphia Hawks team. And, of course, also on the other side of the line facing the Hawks was one of their former original players in Amy Arendelle, who is living in the New York area. She is the, as we mentioned the last time we talked, Peter, she is the uh, – physical trainer, one of the physical trainers for the Brooklyn Nets of the NBA. Uh, This game was played at Edgley Field, which was the Hawks backup ground. Uh, This was a it's their training ground, and I mentioned this for two reasons. Firstly, if you look at, at pictures of the game, uh, the ground is not uh, – it wasn't an even ground. It was uh, sparse in spots. It was overgrown in spots. And the other part that you didn't really see was that the side of the field where I happened to be the goal umpire was all downhill. And uh, going into the game, looking at, at the, the – uh, looking at it you figured whoever kicks downhill whoever takes advantage of the downhill uh, was going to be the winner Uh, not necessarily in that case as we'll see it was a very good game it got off to a torrid pace Uh, the Hawks had the first couple of goal chances uh, but New York had two goals in the first quarter they led by five points as they were going downhill in that first term but the Hawks Took full advantage of the downhill in the second quarter. They kicked out, kicked four goals to none. They outkicked the Magpies uh, and really were playing great on both sides of the ball. One of their big recruits is a uh, is an Australian woman by the name of Emma Blanche, who ended up kicking five goals on the day, including a couple of free kick chances. Uh, one of them was a torp from about somewhere between 35 and 40 meters out. That impressed just about everybody. The one thing that impressed me the most about the Hawks, however, was their ball movement. There were players that really hadn't seen a whole lot of action coming in. Of course, Eric Asaki, who is, uh, as we mentioned, another uh, player who is. was um, – Uh, one of their originals, uh, had a lot of experience, especially having played in Australia, but at fullback, you had Jackie Kershaw who took a number of strong marks working the ball out in the middle, Leslie Gartner, who had never played in the ruck before actually had joined the team in, uh, right before nationals. In fact, played her first full games of football at nationals last year, doing an admirable job in the ruck, especially against Grace Coppola, uh, being able to work the ball down, and then Jackie Terse uh, really turning on the Jets. She, along with Saki, are going to that uh, to the Freedom Camp in Racine in August. Uh, great thing out of that young lady. The Hawks were up by 15 at the half. The Magpies, however, were able to kick, outkick Philly five goals to none, or five goals to one in that third quarter to take a two goal lead at three quarter time. But the Hawks able to turn it on again. Kershaw out the back, Blanche kicking a couple of uh, key goals towards the end, taking a number of uh, amazing contested marks. To, and the final score of the Hawks, 10 5 65, defeating New York. Seven six 48 I mentioned the downhill. Uh, there was only a one point advantage. The Hawks kicking the ball downhill only outscored the Magpies by by a single point. But going uphill, Philly uh, outscoring New York twenty points to four, not allowing a single goal uphill going uphill uh, against the Magpies. I, I think this was probably one of the best quality games that I've seen uh, outside of a regional tournament. And as I said, both teams had a lot of new players, but what was great to see was on both sides of, uh, Smart handball, smart, uh, smart kicks, uh, kicks to space, leading in space. That's something that you don't really see from new players a whole lot. And uh, the football intelligence that I saw in that game uh, really had me heartened that both of these teams are going to do well during the season. But, of course, big win for the Philly Hawks, as you mentioned, their first ever win as a full side uh, and uh, was definitely great to be a part of. And I think both teams can be heartened by the, by the performance on the day.
1: And in another piece of history, uh, the Nashville Kangaroos women's team had their first ever home game. And uh, they played against a combination team featuring the Chicago Swans and the Atlanta cookaburras And it was a very big win for the home team. Very much so.
3: Final score at Nashville, 19-10, 124 to Atlanta, 2-3-15. And the historic nature of this game actually cuts both ways. Atlanta – uh, was one of the original USAFL women's teams. They won the first three Nationals from 2005 to 2007, uh, went dormant following the 2010 season. And the president, Wayne Kraska, has really done a, a great job of building up both sides through their uh, social program. As for Nashville, uh, the great thing about this, Peter, this Nashville side, is it was a one woman at one point uh, last year, Carson Moore who's uh, now fiance is an Australian who plays for the Kangaroos men's side. And uh, they, she was training with the men, and uh, there was a soccer game going on uh, right next door. And they, uh, a couple of women had gone over and seen the Kangaroos training and said, what's, what's this all about? And this was six days before the regionals, uh, the central regionals, which were in Nashville. So that's how the Nashville team got started. Um since then, they have two players who actually played very well in this game uh, Alexa Roncatio and uh, Natalie Smith, the pride of Saudi Daisy, Tennessee, both of them going to Madison with the Freedom Camp. They had fantastic games. Laurel Desch, uh, who started in that Central Regional putting up a lot of defensive blocks. They had a couple of uh, new recruits that really also were a factor in this one. Chelsea Hornbeck, who plays uh, for the Nashville Knights of the Legends Football League, the Gridiron League, which uh, those of you who know Jacinda Barclay's story know that she played for the Chicago team in that same league. And a young woman by the name of Jessica Wood, who kicked seven goals in her very first Australian football game. Uh, for Atlanta, they had a, a very hearty bunch, of course, them coming back after a decade, uh, including an Australian veteran, Virginia Nugent, uh, a player who is starred in their social league, Shauna Chamley and former Columbus cat, Megan Hills. Uh, so despite the off-sided scoreline, uh, you know, a good showing for Atlanta in their first go, but uh, Nashville, I'll tell you what, Pete, if they can get a couple of players, if they can um, recruit in the next couple of years like Portland or Seattle have, we might see them playing in Division One and being very competitive. <laughs>
1: Let's go across to some battles between some United States clubs and Canadian clubs. We first of all go to the British Columbia AFL, where was the opening game for the women's, and uh, Seattle uh, end up uh, being comfortable winners over Vancouver.
3: Yeah, the Grizzlies winning by uh, 39 points. Uh, Seattle 9 over Vancouver, 3-5-23. Uh, Seattle had a lot of injuries coming into this season. They have had a couple of players who have who have moved as well. Uh, but uh, this is a good early win for them, and I think a good confidence booster. Uh, Amanda Bow, I'll tell you what, we saw some of her scoring prowess at Nationals last year kicking those two uh, goals that ended up being the deciding goals in that semifinal over Denver. She kicked five on the weekend, was one of the best on ground. Uh, Corey Howe also kicked the goal, also singles to Katja Hewitt, Allison Leonard, Stephanie Peterson. And, and these are women, uh, among others, Rachel Bloom, who is a, a new player as well. These are players that are going to be very, very key to Seattle's success during the year. Uh, it's going to be, I think it's a five-game series between the Grizzlies and the Vixens. Seattle dominated last year. Uh, they look very good this season, but it'll be interesting to see as they get more confidence on under their belt uh, before they go into the Western Regionals and they play some of the better teams in the U.S. AFL.
1: And the Columbus Cats end up having a game uh, against Toronto. If I'm correct, I think it's the Central Blues side of Toronto.
3: That's correct, yes. One of the teams, the the Blues play in the Ontario AFL. Uh, It's a six-team league up there, the Blues being one of the sides. And uh, this is a team that they go down and they play Columbus every couple of years, and I think it was – uh, 2015, the last time that Toronto made the trip. Uh, Columbus looking for a big season out of them as they build as well. They build off of that second place finish at Nationals last year, uh, but they fell at a very game fight. This game was separated by just one point heading into the final quarter, but Toronto goes on to win by 15 points. The Blues 8, 8 over Columbus 5 11, 41 uh, Katrina Scherer going to Racine as part of the Freedom Camp having a big game for them. Stephanie Shipley-Snyder as well. And Stephanie McKee Kittrick, the veteran fullback who was entering her 10th USAFL season, normally playing on the fullback, but, uh, they ended up uh, using them in the forward line uh, a little bit to, a little bit on this occasion. So uh, she's shown that she can play a little bit of everywhere. Uh, she had the opportunity when she played for the Liberty back in uh, 2012 and 2013. So uh, a little bit of versatility,
1: and I think they're going to need some of that uh, as they go on. They go back to Nationals trying to finish in the top two again. And also a scrimmage on the weekend for the Minnesota Freeze.
3: Yeah, they uh ended up uh having about eight players from the North Star Blue Ox side uh come over and they broke into two teams, the white team and the blue team. Uh the white team with uh Kathy Georgiadis also going to the uh, to the Freedom Camp. Uh, players like Jess Nelson, Kate Peterson, uh, who are uh, on the Liberty as well, uh, and Marie Le Victor from North Star Blue Ox. They were two-point winners over a blue side that had uh, Helen Phillips from North Star and another freedom player, Paige Kicker. Uh, the score of the white team, 5 39 over the blue 6 37
1: And plenty of women's footy action in the U.S. to look forward to this weekend.
3: Yes, sir. We have the Eastern AFL women's competition starting in Columbus as the Cats host the D.C. Eagles. The Cats 0-1 against the 1-0 and 0 Eagles coming off that big win at home against New York. And then we have that the second half of that international uh, match in Bogota, the uh, Bogota Bulldogs down in Columbia who hosted the Austin Crows men's side, hosting both the Denver Bulldogs women's side and the men's side as well. The women will have some players uh, – It'll be mostly made up of Lady Bulldogs, but they'll have players from other teams as well making the trip on down. And uh, I'll tell you what, I've been very impressed with Bogota. They uh, A lot of people said what a great trip it is. So uh, hopefully this will be something that grows not only on the women's side, but also on the men's side as well as they look to uh, grow their program in South America.
1: Absolutely. As we spoke to the Bogota Bulldogs about a month ago, they were talking about obviously hosting USA sites down there, how close it was, and their hopes were finance's. Permitting that they could field a side at the uh, nationals in Florida this year.
3: Yeah, it would be great to see them up there. Um, you know, any little bit that we can do, weaving the USAFL to grow uh, footy overseas would be fantastic. And, and you know what, Pete, the South Africa, uh, South America rather, is um, uh, relatively barren when it comes to Aussie rules football, and the fact that the inroads are being made there, and for them to hopefully have the opportunity to come up to Florida and play at our nationals and play against uh, uh, you know, competitive competition would be fantastic. So hopefully we'll see that happen.
1: Well, Brian, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football and RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you soon for another report from the US AFL Women's Competition. Thanks, Peter. Have a good one. Well, that was a good half hour or so of about American women playing our favourite game of Aussie rules football. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to find out what's happening with women's footy in London and in Ireland. There's jumpers, hoodies and tees for you at leagetees.com.au. LeagTeas.com.au is your place for retro footy gear with designs created by local artists that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, their unique range of women's footy teas help raise funds for Indigenous literacy programs. Get online and start shopping today. We're keeping our focus overseas for the moment. And just before we find out what's happening in London, I believe over the weekend it was the second round of the AFL Germany women's competition. And from the scratchy notes that I have, I believe the Berlin Crocs defeated the Southern Tigeros 35-32 in their match. (laughs) And joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel, Carnival. Joining us from AFL London, it's Shannon Power. Shannon, how are you?
0: I'm very well. It's finally sunny in London, so we're all much happier for it.
1: Does such a weather condition exist? Sunny in London? (laughs) Very rarely, very rarely, but it is one of those days, so I'm, I'm pretty chuffed with it. Well, let's have a look at the AFL London Women's League because the official round one now kicked off on the weekend. And let's turn our attention to Premier Division, a match-up between the Demons and the Lions and a big win for the Demons.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They were uh, they absolutely smashed uh, them. Um, and, you know, the North, Lion, North London Lions came out firing in that first floating round against the South East London Giants. So... Uh, to get such a, I guess, a belting for lack of a better term was a bit of a shock, but the demons just sort of, I guess, got revenge on uh, last year's premiership, so they
1: they came out of the gates pretty hard too. Six six forty two to one three nine, the final scores. The West London Wildcats flex their muscles over the Wimbledon Hawks.
0: Yeah, that was another whitewash as well. So the uh, West London Wildcats uh, won 6-12-48 and the Hawks didn't even get a score on the board, which is a bit of a shocking result, but it just goes to show that the competition this year was going to be pretty fierce, I think.
1: Yeah, certainly things change considering the Hawks, what, two, three years ago were premiers and one of the dominant sides in the competition now at the moment as it sits. Yeah, absolutely. Sitting on the bottom of the uh, premiership table. Let's look ahead to the conference division and uh, the West London Wildcats. They may have had a big win in the Premier Division, but it wasn't any luck in the conference going down quite handsomely to the Putney Magpies. Absolutely, and again, no
0: score on the board for for the Wildcats in the Conference Division. The Putney Magpies beat them seven six forty eight. So again, it's like we're seeing some really dominant teams just firing up at the start of the season. So um, who knows if they'll continue to dominate? But you know, if we if we continue on with this tradition, it could be a very like one sided uh, season.
1: And, and mirroring what happened uh, for the West London Wildcats, uh, the Wandsworth Demons big win in the Premier Division, not so much in the Conference Division.
0: Yeah, not backed up at all. They're quite a low-scoring game. They played the London Swans, who only kicked two goals and three behind to get a a final score of 15. But the Wandsworth Demons got nothing on the board as well. So uh, it's quite interesting to see that these low-scoring games.
1: Well, let's have a look ahead to the next round of the AFL London Women's League. It's being played uh, this Saturday, the 18th of May. I'll get your predictions. i will start in the conference. Uh, Putney Magpies uh, taking on the Clapham Demons at Motspur Park. I
0: think this is going to be hotly contested. They're both really uh, strong teams. Um, I might go for the Demons on this one. We'll see if they prove me wrong or not. But I think that they're, they're just proving to be quite dominant all, you know, at the start of the season and in the pre-season cup too.
1: So uh, the Demons have beaten the Maypies in the conference division. Are West London Wildcats versus the London Swans at Bounds Green.
0: Well, this is going to be an interesting one. I, I think we'll go for the, the Swans only because they got uh, one win on the board already and we saw that the Wildcats didn't get a score in that conference division in the first round.
1: We turn our attention to the Premiership division. North London Lions taking on the South East London Giants. This being played at Bounds Green on Saturday.
0: So this will be a chance for the Giants to hopefully uh, wreak some revenge after the floating round where they got uh, completely destroyed, 89, I think, to 1. So, I mean, look, I think the um, Lions might dominate because they have such a strong side. They've got five uh, women that play on the Great Britain team. Um, I hate to say it, but I think uh, the Lions might actually uh, win over the Giants this weekend. Hopefully not because the Giants might (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but so I think the girls will definitely put in a strong strong showing and I think they'll be a lot more prepared to give the Lions a competition, but it might be uh, just the Lions on the day.
1: And then also on Saturday at Motspur Park, we've got the Wimbledon Hawks up against the Wandsworth Demons.
0: I think this will be um, pretty much an easy win for the Demons, even though, um, you know, it is, uh, I believe, the home ground of of the Hawks. I I think the Demons will easily win this one.
1: Well, Shannon, thanks very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we look forward to catching up with you soon for more AFL London Women's League. Fantastic. And joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, our man from AFL Island Women's. It's great to have back on the line again, Michael Carran. Michael, how are you?
4: Good, Peter. Thanks. Yeah, very
1: good. So the Australian Tax Solutions Super 7s has kicked off in Dublin.
4: Yeah, we had our first round of our our Australian Tax Solutions Super 7s 2019 on Saturday in Dublin at St. Patrick's College in The game, uh, the, the round had originally been postponed from two weeks earlier due to a storm, uh, would you believe it or not, a uh, storm Hannah, but thankfully on Saturday we had an absolutely fantastic day, uh, blue sky, sun shining, and it was incredible to have five teams out playing and we had ten matches across the day.
1: I believe the majority of the sides participating in the tournament from Dublin?
4: Yes, um, the majority of teams are from Dublin this time round, including a number of new teams playing their first competitive games. Uh, we had the South Dublin Swans out for their first ever games, which was fantastic to see. Um, we had the West Dublin Garrisons and the Lippy Blues just playing their first competitive games. They had taken part in the City Blitz uh, a, a month or six weeks ago. And then we had Dublin Angels and West Clare Waves. Uh, we had a couple of teams due to the fact that the round was postponed. We had a couple of teams missing out due to students doing exams, um, such as the Cork Vikings who unfortunately were unable to make it. Uh, we also had a team from the Midland Tigers and we had a third team that actually had a clash with a GAA match, North Linster Giants. So we had five teams out, but a number of other teams due to come back for round two.
1: And how did the competition fare against the West Clare, pardon me, the West Clare Waves, who of course are the reigning European champions?
4: Yes, very good, piece. Um There was a number of very close games. Um, as it turns out, Waves ended the day with four wins from four, but two of the games, I think um, their third game against South Dublin Swans was four goals, four behind, 28, to three goals, three behind, 21. So just, just a little over one goal in that game. So that was a, a very close one. But um, their next game, which was their final game of the day against Liffey Blues, was even closer again. And there was the bare minimum of one point in that one. With uh, their four goals, four behind 28. Liffy Blues, four goals, three behind 27. So it was absolutely fantastic to see these new teams um, coming out and putting it up to the likes of With uh, their and Dublin Angels, who would be some of the more established teams
1: on the roster. Who were some of the standout players from the weekend? Oh, we had a
4: number. Um, if we look through the, the goal kicking charts here initially, um, we had Anya Staunton from Western Waves kicked eight goals. Uh, Joanne Dunan from Liffey Blues had six. Ali Coleman, who was from our Irish University squad um, from a couple of weeks back, uh, was captain of South Dublin Swan. She kicked four. Uh, then we had Laura O'Connell, who was um, a new girl playing her first games from the, for the Waves with three. Hannah Quirk from Dublin Angels with three. Saoirse Nolan, who's the Angels' young gun, with three. And then with a number of players kicking two each. And then in terms of the, the best on ground, um, for West Dublin Garrison, the best on ground was Brona Quinn. For South Dublin Swans, the best on ground was Kim White. For Dublin Angels, we had Hannah Quirk. For Liffey Blues, we had Joanne Dunan. And for West Clare Waves on the day was Anya Daunton.
1: And when will be round two scheduled?
4: Round two is approximately four weeks away, so we're on June the
1: 8th. Easy date to remember that, June 8th. Mark that in your calendars for round two of the Australian Tax Solutions Super 7s. I just want to quickly move on to two other points. Uh, First of all, as we interviewed last week, Grace and Neve Carley, great to see the, I think it's the 7th and 8th Irish women uh, signed up for the AFL Women's Competition.
4: Absolutely fantastic, Peter. Yeah, um, I listened to the interview with the girls. I know Grace and Neve. they're fantastic girls and fantastic players and it was no surprise to see them getting signed up and uh, West Coast Eagles definitely have landed a pair of um, diamonds there um, they, they did have a kick with us last year in our AFL Ireland Women's Premiership and literally after that day they played four matches and as soon as they came off the pitch, I remember I actually texted the guys in crossroaders and Melbourne saying, I think we found our next two and it wasn't too far off um, it was easy to see from the minute the girls set foot in the pitch that they were, they were natural natural athletes, and they were going to take to the game. So it's amazing to see them both going to West Coast Eagles, yeah.
1: And that number could go from eight Irish women to easily into the double figures. If I'm correct this weekend, it's the coders camp in Ireland.
4: Yeah, we're gearing up for now. Uh, we're on the countdown three days in Athlone, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so we're just getting the last few bits and pieces in order. Uh, Jason and Lauren are on the way over from Melbourne. Uh, we're going to have approximately 30 girls down in that loan for the weekend, going through a full raft of Combine testing, interviews, uh, skills drills, and some match simulations. So a really hectic weekend ahead. Um, the whole thing has been recorded, and Vision is going up to all the AFLW clubs. A, a few of them will be in attendance. And for definite, I think, look, we're at eight at the minute. I'd be very surprised if we don't see another three or four go after the camp or in the in the immediate following days. Uh, so fantastic. We're definitely going to hit double digits very soon, Pete, I think. And... Uh, Very exciting to see what the final number will be before the season starts.
1: Well, Michael, thanks very much again for your company and we look forward to catching up with you in June when we review round two of the Australian Tax Solutions Super 7s. Thanks, Peter. Speak to you then. Time to return home and find out what's happening in the state leagues. We focus first on the WAFL Women's competition. Round two played over the weekend. Subiaco seven four forty six defeated the reigning premiers from Adel five five thirty five. Well, the other games. won Districts nine nine 63 defeated Claremont four three twenty seven. Looking ahead to round three, action being played this weekend on Sunday, May 19 two p.m. at New Choice Homes Park is from play host to Swan districts Well, 2 p.m. at Claremont Oval Claremont play host to the Peel Thunder to the Tasmanian State League women's competition round three played over the weekend North Launceston 2-3-15 went down to Clarence 7 14, 56 while Launceston 21-14-140 walloped Lauderdale no score and joining us on the line now to take a look at the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, we speak of the one and only Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, well, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. And before we go by the game-by-game results, an interesting round five of AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, considering the best um, 20-odd footballers were technically missing from playing due to GWS Giants' commitments.
5: Yeah, it certainly was. Um sort of all of the, the margins were sort of fairly similar, you know, somewhere between that uh, sort of, you know, 20 point to um, I think the biggest margin might have been 50 points or something, but they're all sort of middle of the range um, scores, which I think we sort of thought that would, um, that would be the case for quite a few of them. So, yeah, it was definitely a, an interesting round. And um, as you mentioned, quite a few of the top players in AFL Sydney were um, off playing VFLW
1: for the Giants. And that, of course, will continue this week when the Giants take on Richmond at Punt Road Oval. Let's have a look back at round five. Uh, Macquarie University, 8-11-59. Comfortable winners over the UTS Bats, 139. 9
5: Yeah, look, as you said there, Peter, are comfortable winners and I think that was to be expected. Uh, Look, McIntyre might be slightly disappointed in their accuracy, kicking 8-11. Normally, they're they're probably a little bit uh, better than that. Um, But, look, goal kickers, um, Laura Russell was up there as normal, Uh, with two of her own, as well as um, Mel Bryden for the Warriors uh, with another couple of her own. Um, So I said, they're regular goal kickers for the Warriors. Uh, The solitary goal kicker for uh, UTS was uh, Whitney. Um, But look, Mac Union are going along really nicely this season. Fantastic start. Um, They've only had the one loss so far. And, um, you know, they they covered, uh, obviously they were missing a couple of players through uh, VFLW commitments. Um, so they'd be really happy with such a convincing win.
1: Inner West Magpies six five 41 defeated Newtown Breakaways one four ten.
5: Yeah, look. Um It was good to see uh, the breakaways whilst the small scores. good to see them uh, get a goal and and register some points this week. Um, Probably one of the more uh, closer games that we Mm -hmm. did have. I thought it might have been a little bit closer, if I'm honest, Peter. I thought, um, yeah, it might have been a a bit more of a a contest. Um, But the Magpies just sort of uh, after there have been only nine points in the the first break, um, the Magpies got a little bit of a break uh, in that second quarter to lead by 26 at halftime and the Breakaways never uh, really caught up. Uh, Sheeran was the only goal kicker for the Breakaways, uh, whilst the usual suspects for the Magpies, uh, Ekman kicked two and Lawson kicked two. So, um, look, the, the Breakaways are, have had a bit of a mixed start to the season, a, a couple of wins in there, um, but they'd be looking to build on it. And, look, you know, maybe even uh, they'd be perhaps looking to jag a, a couple of wins over this period where some of the sides are, have got BFLW players missing. <laughs>
1: The Sydney Uni Bombers 5 7 defeated the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs 2 one thirteen.
5: Yeah, look, a four-goal win against the Bulldogs uh, is not too bad for the Bombers, uh, considering their, their history probably over the last four or five years, always having close games. Uh, I think the Bombers would also be a bit disappointed uh, in their accuracy. 5-7, uh, um, they'd, they'd be probably be looking to do do better than that. Uh, their goal kickers were Harley and Stack with two. Um, McDonald also managed to snag one. And uh, and uh, yeah, said uh, th- they'd be looking to improve on that. They also would have been missing a couple of VFLW players, but uh, be definitely happy to get a, a you know a, a win over our rivals, the Bulldogs. And uh, as I said, um, it's interesting to see if uh, Sydney Uni can maintain their unbeaten streak whilst they're missing a few players. The VFLW commitments uh, over the next month or so.
1: And finally, the Southern Power 2 2 went down to the East Coast Eagles 6 8
5: Yeah, so this was our twilight game uh, for the, the Saturday, Peter. Um, Riley McGartland's having a fantastic uh, season for the East Coast Eagles, uh, kicking another four of her own and uh, Ferguson and, and Parker also kicked one each for the Eagles. Um, but, yeah, I said, McGartland's certainly done well since crossing from the Saints. And, look, she'd have to be a chance to be picked uh, for the Giants' Vietel W over yeah. the next month or so and, and get a crack in their forward line. Um, I said, Power would be uh, pleased uh, to be competitive with the Eagles. Uh, look, at, at halftime, um, there there's only five points in it. Uh, which is, is really pleasing, uh, but Powell could only manage to score one point after half time uh, to the East Coast Eagles kicking 26 after half time. But look, some pleasing signs there for Power. Um, they're a side that, you know, I've, I've mentioned a couple of times tonight that are with players missing for VFLW. Some sides may be able to um, jag a win over a side placed above them. And I think, uh, you know, Powell, if they do all the things right, they might be able to, as I said, get that surprise win or two um, or three even over the next few weeks, which could um, really be important come finals as they're sitting just outside the top four at the moment.
1: So let's have a look ahead to round six and all matches being played this Saturday, 18th of May. We begin 10.40am at Trumper Park. It's the UTS Bats versus the East Coast Eagles.
5: Yeah, look, I think it's going to be a tough battle for the bats. Um, Even though they've got the home ground advantage, uh, East Coast Eagles have shown um, uh, that they're going to be a side to uh, really contend uh, for a premiership this year. So I think it's going to be a tough one and uh, I think the Eagles will win uh, comfortably.
1: 10.40am at Village Green, the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs versus the Newtown Breakaways.
5: Yeah, look, I think... um, I think it's going to be another tough one for the breakaways. Obviously, they're they're not having a great season, um, but look, it's they're probably hitting New South uh, Uni of New South Wales at the right time, given they'll be missing a few, BFLW players. Uh, but I think it will be a, a comfortable win to the Bulldogs.
1: 11:40 a.m. at Waratah Oval, the Southern Power versus Mac Uni.
5: Yeah, look, this is um one of those games, Peter. As I mentioned. Um, you know, Power, um, they've had obviously a long and strong rivalry with MacUni for the best part of the last decade. Um, and MacUni have certainly had the, the better of that uh, rivalry, particularly over the last sort of, you know, five or six years. Um, this is probably Power's best chance to, to get a win over them. Um, but I don't think they'll be able to do that. I think MacUni will win uh, in a close one, perhaps two or three goals difference. But I'll certainly be a, a booster for the Power.
1: And finally, at 1pm at Sydney Uni Number 1 Oval, the Sydney University Bombers play host to the Inner West Magpies.
5: Yeah, look, I think this one's sort of fairly easy to pick. I think uh, Sydney Uni Bombers will, will win this, uh, despite missing some players for the VFLW. But, uh, yeah, I think the Bombers will win it comfortably.
1: Well, Lauren, thanks very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel, Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you next week when we review round six of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division.
5: Yeah, certainly looking forward to it, Peter. And uh, thanks for having me on the show.
1: Taking a look at the Sanford Women's Competition, our reporter Ali Schiller is away after getting married on Friday. Congratulations, Ali. Semifinals were played where North Adelaide 4-1-25 knocked off Glenelg in a thriller 3-5-23, while in the other match, Norwood 3-3-21 went down to the reigning premiers South Adelaide 5-4-34. And that sets up the preliminary final to be played this Friday night, 17th of May, 7.30pm at Cooper Stadium, Norwood versus North Adelaide for the right to play South Adelaide in the grand final. Let's take a look at the UNSW Canberra first grade women's competition. Three matches played over the weekend for round four. Gungahlin Jets no score went down to Tuggeranong Hawks 6-15-51. Belconnan 2-3-15 were defeated by the Olympian Tigers 8-5-53. While the Eastlake Demons 4-9-33 defeated the Ainsley Tricolors 4-26. We look ahead to round five Action and no games played this weekend. The games will be played on Saturday, the 25th of May. So that's a week and a half from now when Belconnan play host to Gungarland, Ainsley Tricolours play host to Quimbian and the Togwenong Hawks play host to East Lake. And joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel to talk about the Queensland Australian Football League women's competition. It's our great privilege to have on the line Anthony Wingard. And how are you? I'm good, thank you. Another big round of QFLW, so I'm, I'm keen to jump in and, and
6: dissect some of the games.
1: Well, let's have a look at that first game, which we thought was going to be a very close one between Bond University and Maroochydore. And instead it was the Bull Sharks who had the upper hand 5 41 to 1-4-10.
6: Yeah, it was, it was kind of surprising. I, was, I really wasn't sure kind of what to expect heading into the game. I think, obviously, on paper, Bond University had such a, a strong team, but Marichidor really entered the contest uh, as kind of the high-scoring team over the past three weeks um, in some really good form. But, obviously, Bond, another good win for them. Both teams kind of took their time to, to work their way into the contest. Um, Shannon Campbell... Really, really good again um, down forward for the Roos. I think she definitely is in team of the year contention. Uh, but but like you said, Bond University, a bit in, inaccurate on the scoreboard, kicking 5'11 um, for the day. But obviously, I think just their, their run and carry, they, they just have a lot of uh, like athletes um, that also have good football skills pretty much everywhere on the park. Um, talk about Kalinda Howarth um, down forward, Molly Ritson on a wing. Um, those kind of names who, who do have a bit of experience as well, they really carried uh, the Bull Sharks to another good win. I think they've won four, four in a row now. So they're, they're in really good stride this
1: part of the season. And, of course, the big end there at the Bond University Bullsharks, former Western Bulldogs footballer Tiana Ernst.
6: Yeah, she, she's she been a rock for them. She's played two games now. Um, she's come up uh, and really just made that, that defensive role her own. She, she played on Shannon Campbell for a bit, um, especially in the first half on the weekend, which was a really good matchup. up and Ernst, uh, you know, really held her own. I think, you know, a few more games she, she'll be in uh, that team of the year discussion come the end of the year as well. She's been playing some really, really good football uh, thus far for the Bullshack.
1: Wilston Grange, 9 7 defeated the Bluebirds calling out a Tweed 4 twenty eight.
6: This is probably the most surprising result of the weekend considering Wilston Grange, I, think I- they had lost their previous three games heading into the round, and obviously Coolangatta sitting nice on top of the ladder, and then Wilson Grange just come out and and just dismantle Cool and, and I think Wilson Grange, when they get going, they are really really good. Um, you know they kicked four goals in the opening quarter, which in it, it was a bit dewy. Um, obviously our games are at uh, four forty-five on a Saturday night, so so the ground does get a bit wet. And Wilson Grange were really able to kind of just use that to their advantage, use their speed, um, nullify the likes of uh, Jordan Membry, Manny Roberts in the midfield, um, who, who was still good, but it was just a, the counter-attack and of, the, of the Grange that, that really helped them. And I think that kind of started with a, the ruck dominance of Ed McNeil um, in the middle, just watching the game, watching some highlights, just her ruck work um, and then ability to spread really kind of paved the way for for Wilston Grange to, to get on top and then, of course, cause the upset.
1: Yoronga South Brisbane, an inaccurate 4 14 38, defeating Cooper 2 2 14. I feel like this game, you know, obviously
6: Yoronga and Cooper they're really such famed rivals in the QAFLW, uh, a real rivalry that, that goes back for years now, a couple of grand finals in there. And uh, on the weekend at Giffen Park, it was really Yoronga's midfield group that, that really helped Yoronga get on top and We've kind of noticed the past couple of weeks. Yeronga really started a bit slowly. um, And they did that again against the Kings, but they were able to kind of turn around as they've done um, for the past two weeks, at least uh, going back to the win against Worcester Grange last round. Um, And like I said, it was their midfield girls, like Jackie Yorston, Jordan Zanchetta um, on the inside, and then uh, Emily Bates and, and Sarah Duncan, who was about best on ground out in the wing. They really drove uh, the ball penetrated um, the Devils' uh, you know forward zone, and well, well, Cooper. I felt like Cooper's defence really held up, but just that repeat uh, inside fifty is allowed to, for Jurunga just to have more opportunities, uh, score a few goals. Obviously, there was a lot more behinds and goals, but um, you know, Jurunga really are they're in some good form, and I think if they can iron out that kind of first quarter where they really do take their time to, to get their footing in the contest, and they'll be. That'll be a side, you know, really there about um, at the end of the season.
1: And in the final game of the round, I'm honestly shocked at the one sided nature of the score. University of Queensland Red Lions, 14 17 101 to the Apsley Hornets, no score.
6: Yeah, it's, oh, I think, well, for Apsley, first of all, um, obviously, all across all the teams. Um, all of our under-18 state team, they're down in Coffs Harbour for for um, kind of a selection trial for the for state team. Um, and Ashley, obviously a young team, promoted from Division One last year. Um, a lot of their players, especially kind of top-end players, uh, were down in Coffs Harbour. So, so they obviously really missed them. And the University of Queensland, they just, you know, goes like Megan Hunt, the experience around the ground um, really kind of Paved the way for for a dominant win. It's the high, it's the highest score um, of the QAFLW this season. Um, and I, I've called UQ the, the enigma so far of the competition because they're seemingly you know they, they produced one massive win. They did it two weeks ago when they beat Yoronga, which no one really saw coming either. And then they dropped the next game, uh, and they've produced another mammoth win this week, which it it it's obviously good for them. Um, Hopefully, they can keep it a bit more consistent. But um, I really do feel like they have some really good processes um, in, in place um, at UQ. Talk about Megan Hunt. She's kind of made a uh, half-forward role her own. She kicked four goals this week and six in the win against Yeronga. So she's, she's in really good nick. And uh, girls like Dakota Davidson, she kicked three. But um, she's just about the most versatile player in the competition, I think. Um, able to play, She plays in the rough. She plays as a tall midfielder. Um, move forward, kick three on the weekend, play center back. She she really um, is a real asset for UQ and I think someone that played a really, really good role for them on the weekend in the win.
1: Let's look ahead to round six for your tips or matches played on Saturday the 18th of May. At 3.45pm, Bond University play host to the Coolangatta Tweed Bluebirds.
6: I think I think Bond University, obviously they enter the contest uh, probably in, in the best form. They get back a heap of uh, Gold Coast Academy girls, they have the most academy players in the competition on their list. Um, so they'll only get stronger from from the team that played Maroochydore on the weekend. Obviously, Koolangatatui would like to respond um, after the loss to Wilson Grange, but I think on University will just have too much talent and too much kind of prowess around the stoppages and their speed it will just be too much to handle for, for the Bluebirds.
1: At 4.45pm, Yuronga South Brisbane, travel up to the Sunshine Coast to take on Maroochydore.
6: So this one...
1: It's probably the most intriguing matchup uh, of the round. I think Yoronga, um,
6: the win kind of against Kuperu, who, you know, they're one of the best teams in the comp still on paper, I, I feel, even though they do have the one the one win. But Yoronga really were able just to, c- to control the game and dictate it on their terms. And I think if they can do that against Maruchador, then they should get the win. But I think if Maruchador can kind of pounce early, um, which they've done, uh, they did last week against uh Aspley, I think, then then they should be really in with a sniff and uh, they'll, they'll get a couple names back um, of their under-18 players as well. So I think that will be a really interesting match-up. And I, I, uh, I'm, I think my heart says Marood Shaw, so I might, I might get them back on the winner's list.
1: At 4.45pm, two sides that had a disappointing round five. One will be looking to bounce back and take four premiership points. Apsley Hornets play host to Cooperroo at South Pine.
6: I think... Cooper, um obviously us, we beat them in the opening round of the season. Cooparoo should uh, kind of rewrite that result this weekend um, from that game to, to this one. Um, Cooper have added in a number of players. Um, but their forward line still seems a bit dysfunctional. Last year's leading goal kicker Janae Guffin, um, she's playing a bit further up the ground. I think Jess has spent some time in defence on the weekend. Um, so I think if they can kind of get that facet of their game plan, Um, down path, and I feel like they should be able to to win their second game against the Hornets uh, this coming weekend
1: and finally 4.45pm at Hickey Park decide with the biggest win last week the UQ Red Lions take on the reigning Premier's Wilson Grange
6: I think I I, I like Wilsand Grange's chances in this game I think how they were able to win against Coolingator Tweed um, it's kind of unlike um, any other team's game plan in the QAFLW this year um, just using their sheer kind of outside speed. They have so many athletic plays and I think just in some games this year um, that hasn't really translated to, to the football skill side of things. But when that those two things kind of come together and gel, then they play some really, really good football. And uh, I think University of Queensland will be there will be thereabouts, and obviously they have a, a good chance of putting in a strong performance, especially given the result that they produced against... Uh, Aspley on the weekend, but I, I just feel like Wilson Grange, um, if they're kind of uh, gel with their athletic um, bodies, I suppose, um, then you know they should they should get the win. I think.
1: And finally, before we let you go, some news from the Queensland Under 18s State Squad.
6: Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, the the, uh, the Northern States Academy Trials was down in Cross Harbour on the weekend, and. Uh, from that, we selected the 33 uh, woman state squad that will obviously um, feature at the NAB AFLW Under 18 National Championships later this year. And it's it's a really strong team. I just reading the names, I really like it. Girls like Lily Poffle-Thwaite, who um, she was in the state team last year. Um, just a real, she's a bit smaller size um, for a midfielder, but really gets in and under. I think she kicked two two goals last year against Vic Metro in that win. Um, she's in there. Um, and obviously, she's joined Marichita on the QAFL derby this year. So she comes in in really good form. Uh, Belle Dawes is also from Marisha, um, Another midfielder. And, and Dee Heslop, I think, is another one that could really um, control the game at, at State League um, for Queensland. So some, some really good good names in there. And I'm just kind of excited to see what they can produce on the national stage later this year.
1: And particularly for those players, they look forward to now two Queensland sides that can pick them up in the draft, of course, with the Gold Coast coming in and uh, participating in their first draft in October.
6: That's right. And I think AFL Queensland, our talent department, they've been really focused on ensuring um, there's as many girls as possible um, that enter kind of this year draft ready. Um, obviously, with Gold Coast entering the competition, there's that, another, uh, that second team that's able to draft the players. And um, I think, you know, it, it, it's obviously good for, for football in Queensland. That sounds cliche, but I feel like we really do have a strong female pathway um, in both, you know, state league and, and the talent. So I'm really excited to see which names kind of get drafted where at the end of the year. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to it now, I think.
1: Well, and thanks very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you next week when we review round six of the QAFLW. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me.
0: We
7: are
6: the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalized communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice.
7: Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support
1: is vital. Donate now at ALNF.org. It's now time to take a look at the Swiss Wellness VFR Women's Competition, part B of round one, plus an invitational match. And to join us on the line, our lead caller here at RSN Carnival, it's the one and only Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you?
7: Very well, Pete, very well. It was a... Great uh, way to finish up round one of the Swiss Wildness VFL women's competition on the weekend. Plenty of action. Plus, we had the invitational match between Williamstown and the GWS Giants, which uh, was great. It was great to be there on Saturday to witness the Giants firsthand. Not only the AFLW-listed players, but some of the emerging talent coming up through the New South Wales ACT system.
1: Let's have a look at that invitational game to start with. It was our VFL women's match of the day on Saturday on RSN Carnival 2, where the uh, match-hardened AFLW club, the GWS Giants, 13-15-93, took care of Williamstown 2-2-14.
7: Yeah, I anticipated this game to be a little closer than what it actually was. I thought the fact that the GWS Giants had a few younger players coming through the system. I thought that might have been an equaliser with Williamstown, given that they are a very young and inexperienced side, but unfortunately for the Seagulls, it wasn't to be. The GWS Giants got on a roll very early and took control of the game uh, in the early stages of the first half. Uh, Beck Privatelli was a standing light in the opening half of that game. She provided a real target up forward, was great overhead with her marking ability, and Kicked a couple of early goals as well to to help kickstart things up forward. It was great to see her back in the VFLW in a way because this game isn't for premiership points. So uh, it's not officially a a game of the season, but uh, it was great to see her back in Victoria playing a a game of footy. Some of the other standout names for the Giants. Sarah Halverson was impressive, kicking three goals on the weekend up forward. They've actually got a great forward line. Not... Particularly tall, uh, probably mid forwards to small forwards. Uh, the likes of Jody Hicks, Ellie Brush, Amy Schmidt was all were in there um, contributing. Del Magisu was another one that uh, was a live wire up forward. Uh, Tate Mackerel was impressive too. The former Essendon VFL. player who was delisted by the Giants after the AFLW season this year. Uh, She remains a part of the GWS system in hope that uh, she will get redrafted come the end of the year. Um, And then some of the more familiar names of the the VFLW from seasons gone by, Tanya Hetherington wasn't prominent but uh, was doing a lot of guiding and coaching behind the scenes. Went forward in the later stages of the game um, just to to test her versatility I, I feel and and uh, give her a bit of a run on the footy. Had a couple of, uh, well, not realistic options. I think there was a bit of encouragement from the commentary team to, to try and get the, the ball over the line on one occasion. And the other player that bobbed up every now and again was Louise Stevenson, um, a player that uh, we've seen numerous times over the last few years with Melbourne Uni and then with Richmond last year uh, was consistent as well coming off back. And Amanda Ferugia, we the fridge, uh, we know what she's like in AFLW, and that uh, stood tall for the Giants as well. The Seagulls, on the other hand, their, their half-back line was fairly strong. It was under constant pressure and I think looked fairly composed. It's just the execution that let them down. Uh, Rebecca Dardengo was impressive down there for them. Uh, we also had uh, a player, Ashley Melnickus, who, of course, played that great role in Emma Carney late last year when uh, Williamstown defeated the Muggers. She was good again as well. Aaron Mead uh, was good coming off half-back. And Alicia Newman... Uh, a familiar name, the only AFLW-listed player currently on the Seagulls list. Uh, she was impressive too. But again, just the execution from the re- remaining members of the side let them down. We did hear from Amy Catterall po- post-game. This is a long-term vision for the Seagulls. They've uh, brought in a lot of inexperienced players from local footy and under-18 footy. They are hoping to build a, a strong and competitive list over the coming season. So they are laying the foundations for that. So it's a, a long-term aim at the moment for the Seagulls, which means, unfortunately, they might have a bit of short-term pain this season, but uh, they're heading in the right direction, which is positive.
1: And, of course, the Williamstown Seagulls will play their first match for premiership points in round two. Let's uh, take a look at some of the other matches that were played during round one, part B. Of course, the Southern Saints-Collingwood game was the previous week, which uh, we'd already gone through with the Southern Saints uh, beating Collingwood. Uh, Essendon versus the Casey Demons. This was the VFLW live stream on the VFL website, a game that came down to the last 20 seconds, and it was the Casey Demons, 5-5-35 defeating Essendon 5-2-32.
7: Yeah, this was a really tight contest right throughout the day. Essendon throwing up a little surprise uh, given how competitive they were for the opening rounds, which is strong considering the poor season that they had in 2018. It was only a point of difference at halftime. The Bombers edged in front uh, at three-quarter time and then the Casey Demons able to uh, get over the line, as you said, in the last 20 seconds of the game. The goal kickers in this match, Metagirin kicked three goals on the weekend for the Casey Demons. Bianca Jacobson kicked two goals for them, only two goal scorers for the Casey Demons on the weekend. And both of those players were named in the best as well. The goal kickers for the Bombers... Uh, the- the Matteo, the Matteo, I always get that muddled up. Uh, she kicked three goals. Collier and Shay Audley, a player that's come out of the Carlton AFLW program and across to the Bombers, uh, she kicked a goal as well on the week. And Hayley Bullis was uh, named among the best players as well. So it was a good effort from the, the Bombers. They'll be disappointed not to come away with the four points. The Casey Demons get their season underway with a victory. And... Just create a few little question marks about where they sit in the overall scheme of
1: things. A name that does raise a few eyebrows is Libby Birch. We knew that she requested a trade from the Western Bulldogs to the Melbourne Demons at AFLW level. In round one, she made her debut for the Casey Demons, which, of course, are the reserves to Melbourne and named amongst the best.
7: Yeah, she was. We know how uh, great of a player that Birch is. So, a- again, it's just part of that Melbourne program now and, and getting settled into that. Uh, also named um, as part of the best players for them, Eden Zanka, one of the young stars coming up the system. Um, and also... Uh, I think it's Kate bent uh, off the top of my head. She was named as one of the best players as well. Another young star coming through the ranks. So a couple of young players standing tall for, for the Casey Demons on the weekend.
1: On Saturday at Punt Road, Richmond, 12 7, took care of Darabin, 7 2 A
7: high-scoring affair. Um, Richmond got out of the blocks. In fact, at three-quarter time, they led 10 66 to 3 119 So a big difference in the score. The uh, Falcons were able to make it look a little respectable in that final term, which makes me think that uh, the Tigers might have just taken the foot off the throttle. Um, and I expect result given that the losses that uh, Darabin have had over the off-season, and obviously Richmond are starting to head towards an AFLW program, so you'd expect them to be slightly stronger, and that's exactly what happened on the scoreboard. Six goals to Stall Smith uh, for the Richmond Tigers. Wakefield kicked two. Klingbell, Colwell, Ibrahim and Paterno kicked goals on the weekend for the Tigers. Whilst it was all single goal kickers for the Darabin Falcons, Stanton, Byrne, McLaughlin, Hammond, Pisgetti, Gardner and Wilson were their goal kickers on the weekend. Not too many familiar names amongst that list obviously Georgia Hammond uh, and Jamie Stanton are players that uh, are well known and recognisable. Steve Simpson also played on the weekend and was named one of the best for the Darabin Falcons but it was uh, a very different looking side. We were anticipating this was going to be the result and that's what we got. The Tigers getting their season off to a good start.
1: One name that does often get under the radar spent many years at Melbourne University and could be a Smokey to be picked up in the draft, was named second among the best players for Richmond is Hannah Ibrahim.
7: Yeah, uh, probably size lets her down uh, in the in the scheme of, scheme of things, Hannah Ibrahim, as to why she hasn't been picked up in previous seasons for the AFLW, but definitely a contender to get on the list given that she has now crossed to the Tigers. And given that she was named in the best who can. Only assume, uh, obviously we didn't see the game on the weekend, but uh, just looking at how it played out uh, on the score sheet, we can assume that she was playing a a midfield forward type role, um, which would have suited her and provided a bit of speed and an option for them, crumbing and obviously kicking a goal. Uh, So I'll be curious to see how her development goes over the course of this season and whether Richmond do draft her come the end of the year.
1: The NT Thunder 6-13-49 spoiled Hawthorne's uh, Premiership flag-furling celebrations 4-3-27.
7: Yeah, they were in control all day. They're holding the Hawks goalless in the opening term. Uh, the Thunder then extending their lead at three-quarter time out to 20 points after Hawthorne kicked a couple of goals to get back in contention uh, in the second quarter. Uh, a dominant performance from the Northern Territory Thunder. Of course, they're pre-season, if you like, was their full season up in the Northern Territory. So you expect them to be a little stronger and match fitter uh, or be fitter in uh, in match practice. There you go. I've just confused myself. Um, you'd expect that. Uh, and that's exactly what we got on the weekend. They were dominant from the word go. Hawthorne, I, I wouldn't be too worried about at this point in time. They've got a fairly handy list and just having a look on the weekend at their goal kickers, Sibley kicked two, Pereira was uh, up forward as well. Luke, their new captain, Uh, scored a goal and was named among their best. Ebony Nixon named amongst their best as well. So I wouldn't get too concerned about the result on the weekend. Yes, it's disappointing that uh, their first game after winning the Premiership was a loss. But just given the list that they have assembled, uh, I think they will get stronger with time. Uh, The Northern Territory Thunder, it's a good start to their season. The goal kickers on the weekend, Hewitt, Baird, Roberts, Foley, Considine and who, given Hill, were their goal kickers on the weekend, um, all single goal kickers, uh, which was great from them, making means they've got plenty of options going forward. Um, expect them to be strong again. Um, it's just a matter of whether they'll feature in that top six or not. You'd expect they should. Um, just, it will be interesting to see how their AFL development AFLW talent comes in and out of this side.
1: Pereira's goal was an absolute ripper when she snuck down from, uh, from the back line to go down the central corridor, received its centre half forward and let rep from outside 50 and saw the ball bounce through for a goal. Interesting to see for the NT Thunder, the player that was named amongst the best is Taylor Thorne. We've seen her about before a few years ago in the VFLW when she played for the Eastern Devils before returning back home to the Northern Territory. Best on ground, playing at full back.
7: Yeah, and she would have had to she would have had a fairly um, well, intimidating time down there if uh, you're at the game, I'm assuming Luke uh, spent most of the game forward for them.
1: Um, having a look, yeah, Luke did play a little further up the ground. It was Luke and, and Sibley dropping back every now and again. They were rotating their forwards around because it was an unusual forward setup without McWilliams or Perkins playing. So um, it allowed um, it allowed the Hawks to be rather flexible in their setup and Thorne held well against any opponent that was thrown down there.
7: Yeah, good to see that she's developed since the last time we saw her in the VFLW in the Devil's Colours. It's nice to see that she's kicked on. And again, uh, putting her hand up potentially for a position on an AFLW list with that expansion uh, come 2020.
1: Having a look at the final game of the round, this was called by GoFooty.live and was relayed on RSN Carnival 2. Melbourne University, 12-5-77, defeating Geelong in a dominant performance, 5-3-33.
6: Yeah, it was
7: a bit of a difference. Uh, It came to what I was anticipating. I thought it would have been close and I would have thought the Cats would have got over the line, Um, even though I think I tipped Melbourne Uni uh, last week because it was at their home ground. I thought the Cats would have given them a run for their money. That wasn't to be. They had a fairly strong list on the weekend, Melbourne Uni. Um, And just having a look uh, at the goal kickers on the weekend, Price kicked four, Garner kicked three, Emmy uh, Lung kicked two. Bruton kicked one. McDonald, not Meg McDonald, uh, kicked one. And King kicked one for them as well. The goal kickers for the Cats, Boyd kicked two. Kerrick Beckley and Benham were the other goal kickers on the weekend. But it was a fairly strong uh, Melbourne Uni side that ran out on the weekend. Uh, Mentioned Bruton kicking a goal. Garner kicking three. A couple of their AFLW players, Kate Gillespie-Jones, was also playing on the weekend for them. So they had some... Great talent out on the park, which was um, not surprising. I expect them to rotate their AFLW players throughout the season. The Geelong list, though, was a little surprising. They're obviously focused on developing youth as much as uh, giving their AFLW players a run around. There wasn't too many stars that we've seen in previous years gone by uh, running out onto the park on the weekend. A lot of new names on that catch list. Um, So I'll be curious to see how they travel. Of course, grand finalists from last year, we wait to see what their season will look like.
1: So let's have a look ahead to round two, football action in the VFR women's competition. And we begin Saturday morning, 11.30am out at Casey Fields, where the Casey Demons play host to Carlton.
7: Carlton coming off the bye last weekend. So it's their first game for the 2019 season. Uh, Expect Casey Demons to get the job done at home on Saturday morning. Um, But again, I I think Carlton should be competitive. And it will be curious to see how they use their AFLW players in this match. Wouldn't be expecting to see too many of them. Would expect that to be a, a rather youthful side running out onto the park on the weekend. Uh, just think the Casey Demon should get the job done.
1: Then at 12pm, VFLW Invitational Match. Uh, pardon me, 12pm on air, 1pm bounce down. Uh, that is at the Swinburne Centre between Richmond and the GWS Giants. You'll hear it live on RSN Carnival 2.
7: Yeah, the, the first game of the big weekend of coverage uh, for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. This will be an interesting game. Richmond coming off a a good victory over Darabin last weekend. The Giants similarly coming off a a good win against Williamstown. Richmond aspiring for the AFLW competition in 2020. DWS also an AFLW club. So this is a, a big test for the Tigers to see where they're at in their development. I think the Giants will get over the line, but I think they'll have a lot of work on their hands uh, compared to what they had on the weekend. It should be a close game. I'm expecting it to be about 12 points, the Giants to get up.
1: Then at 12pm on Saturday at Central Reserve in Colac, this game will be live on GoFooty.live and it will be on tape delay on RSN Carnival 2 at 3pm. Geelong versus Essendon.
7: You might have to remind people what a tape is, Pete. I don't think too many people would have heard that in the recent past. Uh, I think the Cats uh, should get their first win of the season. Having said that, Essendon were very competitive last week and could pull off uh, a victory in their second game of the season, but I'll be sticking with the Cats.
1: Then 2pm at Victoria Park, it is Collingwood versus Hawthorne. Yeah,
7: Collingwood with the week old after playing the Southern Saints uh, just over a week ago now uh, for their round one match. Hawthorne coming off a a disappointing result on the weekend against the Northern Territory Thunder. I think the Hawks should bounce back. I think they should win this game comprehensively. Around 30 to 40 points, I'm expecting it to be in that range. I'm just concerned with Collingwood. They're a very young list. Uh, They should... Potentially get a few more experienced players in this week. But again, we wait to see what the team lists look like when they're finalised on Thursday evening. But I'd expect the Hawks to be too good.
1: Then 4pm Saturday at TIO Stadium up there in Darwin. It's the NT Thunder versus the Southern Saints.
7: Yeah, the Saints coming off uh, a good win against Collingwood, as I said a couple of weeks ago, and the Thunder coming off a good win as well. That'll be a great test for the Southern Saints. We know how uh, great the, the Thunder were last year in, uh, up up in the north. Oh, and you might need to refresh my memory here, Pete. Did the Saints defeat the Thunder at home at Trevor Barker, or was it up north uh, it was last at, year?
1: It was at Frankston Oval, and it was that game where they had to rest a large number of Adelaide Crows players when there was a bit of a dispute between AFL-NT and AFL-Victoria.
7: That's right. It, so it was down here. So it's a big test for the Southern Saints, uh, and there might just be a little rivalry developing between these two, given the circumstances of what happened last year. Um, I'd expect the Northern Territory, Thunder to get up, but they will get a run to their money on the weekend. The Southern Saints should push them, and I'm anticipating this to be between a goal or two, the margin.
1: Then 7 p.m. down at Oval, otherwise known as Point Jelly Brand in Williamstown. Saturday night football on RSN Carnival 2. We're live on air at 6 p.m. The third game is part of our triple header. Nine hours, wall-to-wall women's football on Saturday on RSN Carnival 2. Williamstown versus the Western Bulldogs. This is going to be chilly on Saturday
7: night, isn't it, uh, at Downer Oval. Um, I'd expect the Bulldogs to get the job done playing their first game of the 2019 season. Williamstown, as I said a little earlier, their half-back line looked good. It was their execution that let them down. Um, Hopefully they're they're more competitive and, and can hold the Western Bulldogs to account, but I'd expect the Bulldogs to get the job done.
1: I'm pleased to report Saturday will be 19 and sunny during the day. We'll get down to a low of 10 at night. So cool, but hopefully not too cool.
7: Then Indeed, to, me, Meaning by the bay, Pete, that uh, it'll be a, t- a nice five
1: degrees. Yeah, minus and about six or seven degrees Celsius there. Um, <laughs> then Sunday, standalone Sunday game, live on air at 2pm for a 2.30pm bounce on RSN Carnival 2. Melbourne University versus Darabin in the Pride match.
7: Yeah, Melbourne Uni at home uh, should get the job done uh, if they're from last weekend, if they can keep uh, a few of those AFLW players in the side and potentially see Emma Carney come back in too, given this uh, game is uh, hyped up. Although I think she is speaking at a, a function pre-game, so I'm not sure how that fits into the scheme of things and whether we'll see her run out onto the park on the weekend but would expect Melbourne Uni to be too strong against the Darabin Falcons. Uh, probably about 20 points I'm anticipating. But again, given what the Muggers did on the weekend, they might surprise a few people if they can get some
1: consistency into their season and they don't have too many players coming in and out of the side. And that concludes our look back at round one and preview of round two of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. Coxie, thanks very much for joining us. And we look forward to your company this weekend on RSN Carnival 2.
7: Yeah, it's a, it's a big weekend of footy looking forward to it. Should be some interesting games. Uh, and as you mentioned before, nine hours of coverage on Saturday plus the game on Sunday. We've got it all covered. When it comes to women's football, right here on RSN Carnival.
1: Well, that concludes the show for another week. Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival is every Wednesday evening from 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. And you can also download this program as a podcast on Thursday mornings by going to Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Just search for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. You can find us on Twitter at WARF Radio. At Facebook, just go to Facebook.com forward slash WARF Radio and online at WARFradio.com don't forget some big matches happening this weekend on RSN Carnival 2 Digital Radio. A triple header on Saturday as we bring you from 12pm, Richmond versus the GWS Giants. At 3pm, Geelong versus Essendon. And then at 6pm, Williamstown versus the Western Bulldogs. That's this Saturday. And then on Sunday from 2pm, Melbourne University versus Darabon, Right here on RSN Carnival 2. Until next week i'm peter holden and it's bye for now